What's up, everybody? Welcome back to uh, Conspiracy Say What, where we talk about all of the weirdest and most interesting conspiracies out there that we can find. Uh, if this is your first time with us, then welcome to the podcast. If it's not, then welcome back. Um, I the am. Most generic intro I've it's ever like heard you do ever. It's like the only thing I can think of. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Cameron, and next to me is. I'm Allie. And joined with us, joined with us, joined joining, with us joining us today yeah. is a good friend, Taylor. That's Taylor. <laughs> yes, I, my name is Taylor, and um, I'm very happy to participate in this conversation of conspiracy. Yeah. Um, as an introduction, Taylor, tell us what is your favorite conspiracy theory? Okay, my favorite conspiracy theory is actually the one we're about to discuss. Okay, perfect. Um, it affects so many of us, but we don't know it yet. Fair enough. So what are we talking about then? Today we'll be talking about the college conspiracy. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it, um, may or may not know about it, but uh, today we'll be discussing the details um, regarding the college conspiracy and the American education system and just kind of sparking a conversation to see is it designed to enlighten minds or program them? Yeah. yeah. That's totally fair. I think this is the, probably the first conspiracy theory that I'm like, fuck yeah, this is probably real. <laughs> I thought that was Mothman, personally. Okay. Well, I mean, considering Mothman stole our original co-host, <laughs> I mean, true. it's probably true that he's real. <laughs> um, yeah, and this is, uh, this is one of those conspiracies that even if you don't know you've heard of it, you've probably heard of it at some point in time or you've heard different details and you've kind of never connected them or thought about it in that way. Um, but there's a lot of kind of interesting details and this is one of those that goes way more into real life than sometimes you want it to. And if you've been to college, you've probably lived it. Yeah, it's like a different <laughs> kind. We did supernatural horror stuff last week and this is a different kind of horror stuff. It's interesting. Welcome to the shit show, let's get started. <laughs> wrote some intro stuff here about um, the, the factory model of education, which was kind of brought into America in the industrial era, which was around like the 1800s um, by this dude named Horace Mann. People say he took the model from the Prussian school system. And it, it, I mean, essentially it seems like it's basically set up just to turn people into like docile little slaves that are ready to work in the industrial industry. Because if you think about it, you have one teacher to like, what, like 50 plus students. I mean, how in God's name is anybody going to learn that way? And if any of you have been to public school, which I certainly have, <laughs> uh, you don't learn shit in public school because of the way it's set up. Yeah, I mean, at least growing up for me, like the average class was like 30 to 1 ratio for students to teachers, which has always been kind of considered a lot. And even different schools I went to, like, I mean, everybody grew up with that. Like you go to different schools, they try different class sizes and things like that. But I mean, I think even the least amount of people I ever had in the class was something like 18 or something, but just still a lot of children, a lot of children to be teaching. Um, yeah. yeah, but it's an old system, a very old system. Outdated. Very outdated. <laughs> outdated. And it needs to update because 
um, going back to what you said about Prussia, um, in Prussia, Germany, they used their education system to create and to basically create like soldiers to modify human behavior. So when Horace Mann and John Dewey um, and John D. Rockefeller, all these big industrialists who basically put their hand on to education in the 19 and 1800s, what they knew was education is a process of like designing minds. So if we place them in um, cohorts designed off of like their age, designed off of their, um, their physical characteristics, we can create essentially like packages yeah. and it will never think outside that box. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like literally a factory to make children ready for factories. <laughs> I, I wrote down this quote from one of the articles that we found here. Um, I guess I'll just read it. Should I just read it? Yeah, you sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it said basically that this model is to pre-adapt children for a new world, a world of repetitive indoor toil, smoke, noise, machines, crowded living conditions, collective discipline, a world in which time was to be regulated not by the cycle of the sun and moon, but by the factory whistle and the clock. And I believe that came from Future Shock, right? It was, I think it came out in the 70s. It was based around the idea that our education system started in this country as kind of a slave, like building, basically building up like robotic mindsets. And then that we've kind of still kept that. And that was the formal education we adopted and it hasn't really changed. It's just been kind of pushed aside. And that's what that book was going for. Absolutely. But that quote um, ties into a quote that I found. It's like, if you sit back and you really research your education system, you'll see the breadcrumbs and you'll see that this like system was formed a long time ago and it has many players involved. So the general board of education was also um, founded in 1902. It was basically a big ass like cohort of, I think it was six or eight industrialists, some heavy hitters in entrepreneurship come together. And what they did was John D. Rockefeller, um, oil and all that big business that he had during the industrial era, he ended up um, giving a million dollars to this board of education in which they continued to use the board throughout the entire 1900s to essentially get you to the education system you see today. So the quote that I found that kind of shocked me along my journey was um, said by John D. Rockefeller himself in 1906 um, in one of their meetings. He said, in our dream, we have limitless resources and the people yield themselves with perfect docility to our molding hands. The present educational conventions fade from their minds and unhampered by tradition, we work our own good will upon a grateful and responsive folk. We shall not try to make of these people and of their children into philosophers or men of science. We have not to raise up from them authors or educators. And the quote goes on to essentially sum it up saying that if they perfected this type of training, generational training long enough, they wouldn't need a society of um, laws or police. So that kind of jumps into the education systems of 2050 when it will go into technology and into programming. Yeah. That's so creepy. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I don't know, fuck your your thinking. We're just going to make you into a little robot. (laughs) Fuck your reality. Again, it keeps appearing in the show. Uh, So I think that kind of ties into the the college conspiracy that we're dealing with today. Um, Unless you guys wanted to say something else about the 
the factory model thing, Cam? Well, I mean, before going into college specifically, the factory model does lead into something that's really important, which is standardized testing. Oh, yeah. Fuck uh, as you kind of progress through <laughs> this model, yeah, standardized testing. Uh, I actually grew up with always knowing that standardized, test, standardized testing was kind of bullshit. Um, my mom was a teacher. She was very much against it. She didn't like it. So I either didn't take it a lot of times or she just kept me out of school for whatever reason. Yeah. But it's one of those things that, yeah, <laughs> I, I happen to be lucky enough to know that from an early age, but a lot of people, they, you know, they spend their whole lives, like every standardized test that pops up, you, you study for and you stress over and there's so much anxiety going into it and it's not worth it. <laughs> but, uh, standardized testing, I mean, this is something that it's actually, it's, it's promoted in the U S specifically as a tool to show the like gradual like educational growth for a student when in reality it's actually built for funding for schools it's built oh. to see what schools are teaching which is a yeah. huge yeah it's a huge problem and it's not just standardized testing either because um programs like ap and i was in the ib program so personal story here um I don't know if anybody out there knows what the IB program is, but I was in it and there's like two versions. So there's one where you're on track to get the IB diploma and there's one where you get the IB certificate. So the diploma is when you take only IB classes. You don't take any public school or any AP or anything else. But the certificate is basically like college credits. Like your IB classes just count for college credits, but you're not going to get the diploma, right? So IB, I didn't feel like doing all IB in high school. I wanted to drop down to just the certificate, start taking some AP classes. And oh my God, my high school like went at me. They were like, are you sure that you want to drop down? Like they would not stop interviewing me and asking me into the counselor's office. And like, they were pissed that I was even thinking about like taking less IB classes. And the whole reason is because the more people or the more kids that get an IB diploma, the more funding they get. So literally, I was just reduced to a number at that point, if you think about it. How much money can the school get? <laughs> yeah. That is powerful. It goes into like um, the textbook printing markets also, like how they have okay. it so hard to have these updated books when really they're reprinting the exact same material, slightly modified with the new edition label slapped upon it. And you look at like um, the publishing houses that you were mentioning, the entire industry of textbooks is there to just further contribute to a system that only looks at you, not as a mind, but as like a, a bot, something that can generate profit from it. So like an ATM machine, just giving you cash. <laughs> yeah. And the, the fun thing with the, like bringing up like the textbooks with things like the ACT. So one option that you have with the SAT and the ACT is you can always retake it. Uh, and while this seems like it's beneficial to the students, it's like, oh, you know, up your grade, get to a better college, things like that. It's actually beneficial to any publishing houses that are selling information to, you know, study for the test. It's beneficial to whatever high school you went to or wherever, uh, whatever private company you're taking the test through, whatever third party. Uh, and I know this firsthand. I worked in a testing center for a community college, so I saw this a lot. Um, you see a lot of SAT and ACT tests coming in and people are like, well, can I, like, I, I need to retake it or they come in to retake it. They're paying like hundreds of dollars to retake these tests. They're saying some people are paying like $250 plus the books really? themselves, which costs like $200. There's, there's all kinds of ridiculousness that goes on with that. But even if you do that, and even if you do well, 
Well, the test only lasts for five years. So it just shows how unimportant the test actually is because then five years later, it doesn't even matter anyway. And the truth is, is there's a lot of better ways to get into a college and to get noticed than just taking an ACT yeah. or SAT. And I mean, there's, I mean, I'm sure with these, we could go on and on. I've known people that have gotten <laughs> We could all complain about school forever, yeah, but I, I mean, like. <laughs> I, I've known people that have gotten in, that have like had great test scores. They didn't get into great schools, even though they had Because it doesn't fucking scores. matter. Because at the end of the day, it's really not important. And like working in a testing center really showed that aspect, unfortunately. Couldn't agree more. And then you have all these like kids and young people who are, like you said, stressed over their future. And yet you have like people being um, bought into college and their test scores don't matter. It's all about, that's the perception they give the youth because it's all about this. How much money can you buy yourself into an education um, as opposed to your mind earning that education? Because the test, ACT and SAT, in my opinion, are designed to dumb you down, um, to keep you at a certain level. Um, you're just proficient enough to think like a droid. Um, but yeah, it's just a vicious cycle. Yeah, and I like I like that you bring that up because it is, like, I think if it's almost there in the word, like, standardized testing. They want it to be a specific standard. They want yeah. you all to be on the same exact level. And that's the factory model thing yeah. again, is let's just standardize everything it's just bring it all down. We don't anybody that's better. We don't anybody that's less. Um, what's that called? The no child left behind policy. Ooh, that's fucked up everything. All, yeah. yeah. And make them all the same. Exactly replicas of each one another. Yep. Right. And, and uh, one more thing, like before going into actual college here, like dealing with this, this is the reason why this is so important, why this is such a big conspiracy is because when you really think about it from the time you go into school until you're 17 or 18 or 19, whatever you're getting out of high school, you are in school for, I mean, the typical day would be like, you know, like anywhere from like six to eight hours a day. And you're doing that five days a week. So you're keeping children in school for this long just to kind of not really teach them what they need to know. And that's where the big problem from this comes from. And that's where the conspiracy from this comes from. Is because why are you doing this if you're not teaching them skills to actually progress through life? So fuck college. Because that's where we're going next. Yeah, college is the next one. <laughs> Pretty much, it is a it's a it's a rigged system designed only to serve a few, and the the rest of us get left behind, unfortunately. Yeah. The first thing that I put in this section was elementary school trains you to go to high school, which then just trains you that you should only go to college because college is the only way to be successful in life. I was just going to say. Yes, that kind of ignited me because um, the training does begin at such a young age and the children don't even know about it. So like with you, Cameron, you were fortunate enough to like kind of be taken out of that programming and your parents understood it. So they they opened your mind at a young age. But when children reach um, after they face so many like systematic barriers when it comes to education and they do reach high school, all I remember high school was they kept telling me, if you don't go to college, uh, a college graduate makes a million dollars more in their lifetime. And I just, I heard that every day, at least probably like 10 times a day from everyone mm-hmm. in high school, because I was contemplating on dropping out and not even going. I didn't see the point of it. Um, but long story short, that programming starts at a very young age to the point where you're bombarded and you kind of just follow like a sheeple because this is what you're supposed to do. We're supposed to go to college. 
Exactly. Yeah. This is the sheeple thing again. It is a sheeple. <laughs> Fucking sheeple. Again. Wake up, sheeple. <laughs> the only thing that you hear your senior year of high school is college anyway. I mean, they really don't let you even think about the option of not going to college because why would you do that? <laughs> I wrote down this thing too, the, the idea that if everybody's going to college, you know, and everyone's getting a degree, that really like actually devalues degrees because then everyone is, again, standardized yeah. with a college degree. So everyone is fucking same with the same skills. So who the hell is going to, like, who is going to hire you if you're exactly the same as somebody else? Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> it's a powerful question. Life after high school. Is there life after college? Like, what are they truly preparing them for? They don't tell them that. And then the, we're going to get to that. But the debt that you must acquire, it's like a sacrifice. I sell my soul to work for your system mm-hmm. in exchange for a college degree. But I will never pay that off in my lifetime. Ever. Oh, God, don't even start with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that it. Price gouging comes in many forms in college. It's it's one of the it's one of the like most basic parts of this conspiracy, just because it's the easiest thing to see in full light. It's it's hard for colleges to hide because they're always after money in the first place. I mean, everything from what they're charging for textbooks, which we're going to get into, to even something that I don't actually think we have in our notes, which is uh, something as simple as parking prices at colleges. Oh my God, I forgot about parking. Holy shit. (laughs) That in itself is a huge price. Taylor, where did you go to school? Ooh, interesting question. I, um, because that pricing thing, parking tickets, I acquired a lot at, um, oh my God. I went to CSU for two years. Um, I was a biochem major. I dropped out to write a book which is ironically about what we're talking about. And um, at the moment I'm at Metro um, trying to navigate. I love knowledge, but I don't like the system they make us go through to acquire that knowledge. And working out of the system without um, a degree and trying to survive as a millennial in new America in a major city, without a degree, unfortunately, you only reach a certain limit in this society. Um, unless you get really lucky or unless you're in the tech industry. But yeah. if you're in any other industry, they will not even look at you beyond the skills that you offer unless you have this piece of paper to validate who you are. And I just think that needs to change. Well, I mean, even um, even again, going with the price catching thing, it's not even just students necessarily because like we worked in a cafe there as well. And even he can't for free get parking passes for his employees. He would have to pay for them. So we had to pay for parking or find a different way to get there. So even they even price gouge people that are not necessarily going to the school, which is also an issue. But everything costs cash money. Right. <laughs> but one of the biggest costs in college, or one of the least fun costs uh, we can talk about is textbooks. I stopped buying them. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I stopped buying them, but got reprimanded from certain professors for not yeah. having the exact edition. Yeah. Usually you can like, there were a couple classes where it's like you had to do the homework out of the book or whatever, but then I just like take pictures of other people's textbooks. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Because fuck paying anything over than like $10 for a book. Absolutely. Especially when we're paying um, $100,000 just to receive our future. Like, do they not what kind of world we are up against and then back to the textbook um and the hidden fees in college if you ever look at your tuition statement there's like 
the 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 rec bond fee, the extra printing fee, the 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 certification fee. You're like, what is this? Like, it's like a spirit is- fee on there. <laughs> like, and it's like five dollars. <laughs> And there's like a whole bunch of stupid shit, and it's like, can I just like not pay for these? Because I could probably save like four hundred dollars every semester. <laughs> I, was, I'm, I was like, I don't know this. I'm on online classes, and you're charging me for a. They charge five hundred for a virtual online fee. I said, it's hey, seriously, you've yeah. done online college or online school before too. I did online school, but I did online school oh, okay. outside of college. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I do know the online thing, that's a more recent thing with college and like going into the textbooks, one of the things that I first encountered with that was when I took a psychology class at a community college. Uh, I was still in high school at the time, so it was an early it was an early view into how this is all going to work, but it was a $750 book new, uh, and you had same. to buy it new because you needed to have a, a, a passcode in the back of the book in order to access online testing. And if you only got that passcode by buying the book, uh, I did find a way around $750, but it still was not cheap. It was still something like $150 to $200 to be able to get it. And it's a good deal, I guess. That was through a third party. But that's though. what they and want you to think. Yeah, they wanted <laughs> us to buy it from the school, and from the school, mm-hmm. it was like $750. And colleges, I mean, you may think that they just raise the prices because they pay a lot for these books or whatever, but they actually do. Uh, work with the publishing houses a lot of times, which is a huge problem with this conspiracy, is the work college does with publishing houses that they really shouldn't be involved with at all. Yeah, there's a lot of weird connections in this conspiracy that like doesn't really make any sense. But I think textbooks here are the, I think they're just the base for, it's, it's just an example, like right when you start college, before your semester even begins, you get a list of things you need a list of, a list of things that you need money for and like again working behind the scenes at a college i got to see that even people like even people who are getting paid through the military or things like that to go to college a lot of times those benefits don't kick in until weeks later so they end up having to shell out money to actually buy books that they should be getting paid for by the military and they have to try and get refunded which sometimes doesn't work it's it's a whole mess. Textbooks are everything is always a mess with money with these things. It's yeah, like they're they're trying to keep as much money from you as possible. Yeah, is the thing there out of state tuition? Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk now about that's, out of state tuition. That that's a fucking conspiracy. Okay, if I'm going to school in America, who cares where? Like, why am I being charged twice as much or more to go to a college a couple states away just because I didn't live there? That's something I dealt with personally because I was on out-of-state tuition and had to deal with a lot of stupid shit where I ended up paying over twice as much as I was supposed to be paying. So, yeah. Yeah. I've been sucked into the system, kids. <laughs> Fortunately, I, um, I always stayed in Colorado for college due to that very reason because yeah. even though I did receive a supplemental scholarship for my education, uh, but it was based off of my mother's income. And at the time, my parents, but they did not understand they cannot contribute to my education because they're surviving. So um, I went into it having to take out the loans, having to take out the debt, and paying more for things that you feel like you shouldn't have to pay for. You're almost penalized because you are a student out of state. But I tried to keep myself in state. I actually wanted to go to Harvard. Um, but fear kind of held me back from leaving the state and money. Yeah, money. 
Um, the problem is I got an art degree and I'm from Nevada where there's no art. So I had to leave. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Cam made a note in here about the weird like residency residency and age restrictions on out of state tuition. Yeah, because they which would, don't make any fucking sense. Yeah, you would think at least if nothing else, it would be simple enough to just be residency. But yeah. it actually also has to do with age, which is really odd because it doesn't seem like that would have a point for out of state tuition. No, it doesn't make any sense because I dealt with this a lot. Um because I was out of state. So I moved to Colorado from Nevada. Um, which means I was on out-of-state tuition, which was a little more than twice as much tuition. Like, so like within six months, I had a Colorado license. My car was registered here. I had a residence here. I was living on my own technically, which makes you a resident in the state's eyes, but right. doesn't make you a resident in college's eyes for some reason. And even after a year of living here, I still was not considered a resident. And at the time, I'm just now 23. You had to be either 23 or emancipated from your parents in order to get in-state tuition, which I wasn't going to fucking do. I was 18. I could not afford my own health insurance, so I'm not going to fucking get emancipated from my parents yeah. just so I can pay half as much at school. Like, I don't know. That just didn't seem like a, a valid point to me. <laughs> so um, they have really weird things. Like, you're not a resident unless you're old enough, which just is it's just a ploy to get that twice as amount. Twice <laughs> Twice as much tuition. That's what I'm trying to say. Correct. You feel like as a, as a student, there's so many like plans against your enlightenment. You're like, okay, all I want to do is learn, but there's exactly. they're throwing all these prices at me, and I don't. I'm gonna have to eat these loans because that's the only Yo. way I can progress. So you gotta have bite to it. <laughs> and I went through the same thing with my scholarship. I tried to go around it. Um, the only way that I could uh, essentially lower my expected family contribution was from like $10,000 a semester was um, to emancipate myself. But why would I go through that? I just want to go to school. Exactly. Like, why would you, why would they care if you're on your parents' health insurance or like if they're helping you at all? Yeah. They're and your parents and these kids are like 18. And this is the importance of the monetization of education because you have people who are paying more than the person sitting directly next to yep. them or directly in front of them or directly behind them the exact same doing education. the same projects and you're getting the same education. You're not getting anything more out of it. You're not, you're not getting a better education. It's not the same thing as going to a cheaper college as going to an expensive college it, like where like you might get a better education. You're, you're paying for the same class. The dumbest thing for me is that it's all... All of these schools are American. I'm an American. Why the fuck am I paying twice as much to go to American school with other kids? Powerful. Just to add to that, Ali, um, I did meet like a friend in the in the um, UK who was going to school at the University of London. And when I was talking to them, they wanted to do like teaching abroad, and they were saying how they in overseas most of the college is only three years. Why is it in America that we are forced to go to college for four years? You mean to tell me that I cannot, I can learn how to program, how to code in about six months. I don't need yeah. a master's degree in coding. I don't need exactly medical field. You do need specific training. I'm not trying to debate that, but for most degrees, why four years? The four year mark is, I wish I would have researched it more, but I know there's a conspiracy there. Four year mark is more money. 
And then also mm -hmm. um, tuition fees, it's all about money. So I would challenge the viewers, whoever's watching this and whoever's intrigued by it, follow the money. There's a reason that there's certain, I'm feeling like there's regulations per state because some of the funding from education is going into different places within America. Um, so when we follow the money as students, we're going to see really like the system, this outdated system and what it's really about. Yeah. And that's it's kind of bouncing off that. It's, that's also a really good point. Um, the, one of the big problems too in this country is people are also given the wrong expectation of what they're going for. Uh, when you look at something like a master's or bachelor's or an associate's, people are like an associate's is two years, a bachelor's is four years, and then a master's is six years. That's not quite how it works. Um, the testing center that I worked in was in a community college. Everyone there is going for an associate's. And when you see people there going, they're going there for anywhere from four to five years. That's actually the average. Because uh, they set it up that way. Because of the way it's set I up. I was just gonna say too, yeah. like. I was technically a transfer student. I went to school for a year in Nevada and then moved here. But the way that my degree, which was a fucking music degree, <laughs> was set up to, it had to be four years. Like each class had, was a prerequisite to another one that was only offered a certain semester, you know? So you had to do it in four years. Oh, prerequisite. When anyway. I was going for my second degree, <laughs> I had an issue that was the same thing. I ended up taking a semester off in the middle of going for it because what would have yeah. ended up happening is I would have been in school for two semesters or I can take one semester off and still be in school for technically two semesters, but have time to myself. So I took a semester off because I was gonna be in school for the same amount of time anyway, which was basically another year. And it was all because of the way their classes were set up the semester before. I wasn't allowed to take two of the two certain classes at the same time, yeah. even though I would have gotten out earlier and it really didn't matter. It's not like it was one class that was supposed to lead into another. It was just something they had decided a prerequisite on. Um, and those terms also change. They can change anywhere from semester to yearly to every couple of years. And that's another thing that I saw working in colleges. It, it is a huge ordeal. If you're thinking, well, you're paying the same amount for classes every semester anyway. No, because actually every time, every semester you go back, you repay those fees that we were complaining about earlier. So in, in, in reality, you're paying a whole shitload of extra money. Correct. And if you are a student who has to take out loans, not only are you, the, the time clock is ticking on the interest rates. They're, they're oh, God. Loan companies are literally salivating. The more time we take in college, the, the, the longer they can double how much we owe them. I don't know if y'all want to transition into that, but yeah, we can talk about loans. Loans yeah. are the epitome of evil. <laughs> evil. The problem with these things to start with is that they are owned by the government. Correct. Um, in fact, most colleges are supposedly blocked from taking uh, private loans for schooling. Private loans are something that are not really allowed. The government stepped in years ago and kind of took over that. And that has kind of led to a bigger crisis in schooling. Um, to a crisis where when you look back 35 years ago, roughly, you see people who they didn't have to work while going to school. They could work a full-time job over the summer, go to school during the semester, not have to worry about working. But oftentimes they could still afford a house or an apartment very easily. And now you have students who even working full-time during a semester, they can't afford housing, they can't afford food, they can't afford books, they can't afford anything without a loan. So then you start drowning yeah. in loan debt. Absolutely. And then um, currently, I've been following it for a while now, but 
currently the student loan debt crisis is around they say $3.3 trillion, $3.9 trillion. Holy fucking shit, really? Yeah, that's right. It it's trillions? Yep, it is the largest uh, debt bubble in history. It has surpassed um, housing. It has surpassed credit card debt. Student loan debt is the largest bubble in, in history. Not only that, it is the most collectible debt. They, um, I was reading an article, um, I can send this information to you, but they are talking about in the, in the future students will be stopped from travel if you default on a loan. Um, if you default on a loan, obviously we're not eligible for housing. So the system, it is stopping our progression. Um, and, and, and it makes you as a student wonder, it, it's, it's a trap. Education is a double-edged sword. How am I supposed to become this great person within society? How am I supposed to optimize my potential if I'm in a student debt trap? Yeah. How? That's that's what I was talking about earlier is loan companies have too much power for some reason to block shit. Like you just said travel. I didn't even see that one. What the fuck does that have to do with paying your loans? It doesn't. Do that. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Um, we watched a documentary that uh, Taylor sent us and there was that dentist, the the woman in that one. Yeah, the who, dentist. Oh my God, this poor woman. <laughs> The, the loan companies have blocked her from working with certain patients because she defaulted on her loans. Correct. What? So they're like, they're cutting out half of her job that she needs to get paid to pay her loans. Yeah. And I like to, I want to jump in right here. Like sometimes it's important to do. This is why, like for people that are out there that are listening and they're wondering like particularly why we're doing this conspiracy or what, you know, is so scary about this one. It's when this is one of those big things where you start being controlled by someone just because you owe them money, they they essentially start taking over your life. And I mean, for oh, yeah. her, she had to find a boss that would specifically work around her restrictions in order to even be able to make enough money to be able to do, you know, to be able to even pay back the loans in the first place. And with her, one big thing that I, when she was showing them on that uh, documentary, they didn't go into it, but she showed them a chart of what she was, what they expected her to, uh, make in terms of income and they based that on what she was supposed to be paying for her loan. Yeah. And they expected her, I did the math from uh, 1980, which was the first one on there. And they expected her to make roughly the equivalent of about $12,000 a month. Now it was about $4,000 a month then. Um, and that, it, they, that was the lowest amount that they had set up for her to pay back her loans. So they were basing her income on about $12,000 a month now in order to pay back a certain amount then, which is absurd. That's yeah, nobody is going to make that even much. 4,000 now is a lot. And it was 4,000 then. Yeah. Right. yeah. That is the, the, um, the, the, the issue that a lot of like millennials are in generation X are forcing to face. They're, ha they're having to face this idea of, do I pay my rent or do I pay my student loan? Yeah. Do, I, um, do I feed myself or do I pay this loan? Because if I default, they're coming for me. My future is theirs at this point. Um, to add to that, Kim, the, the woman in, in the College Conspiracy documentary, she said, or you stated that her loans are, they were at 140000 She already paid 100000 of that. So it's not like she wasn't trying to pay the system. Um, exactly. She now owes, according to that documentary, $300,000. So that tells you that the inflation rate, the interest rate on these loans is designed to um, suck the youth dry. Oh, they yeah. want to mess up. 
They want you to default because when you default, that's more money in their pocket. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that parents deal with too, because as, um, as somebody so young, usually they're not going to give you a loan of that much, right? So then they have this thing called the parent plus loan. Uh, so they bring the entire family into it. So then they've created this like awful chain of things where it's like your parents are in debt, so they can't take out a loan unless they pay all this money. And it's just, I don't know, it's, it's horrible. Just to add to that, it's a way to stop um, generational wealth. And it's a way to control um, and create certain class systems within America. Um, but yeah, what were you saying, Cam? I was just going to say, I mean, along those same lines, uh, it's another way that you also have uh, like high school counselors, like education counselors, who will tell students what they should go into or what the best fields are for them to go into. Oh my God. Uh, I dealt with this a lot because I wanted an art degree. And when you want a film degree at a school that is pushing for engineers and x-ray techs, uh, they don't shut up about it. They 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 will just keep talking and keep talking until you give in to what they want. Um, but they're they're not pushing that because they want you to make more money. They're pushing that because they need you to go into a specific field or to work with one of the colleges that they're associated with. Uh, specifically for the college, for the high school I was going to at the time, they were associated with uh, CU and they were associated with CTU, which is specifically an engineer school. So yeah, yeah it, it's it's all this horrible circle of yeah. what they're trying to do. And that program that I told you guys about earlier, the IB program, that one is really science-based. So pretty much everybody went into, went into like a biology degree. I even for a while was considering going into psychology, but that's what they try to like program you to do is you need to work in it in something that will get them more money. Absolutely. They, um, they associate program you to think that a liberal arts degree degree, like I'm just like you, Cam, um, and Ali, I essentially wanted to go to um, film school and um, create movies. And I didn't see how the college education system could help me with that, to be honest. I essentially felt worthless because I am a more artistic person. And, and, and what they do is they, they divide the brain. They have the left brain versus the right brain. When in reality, students are whole beings. Human beings think with both sides of their brain. Like I was reading something regarding Albert Einstein and he said, whole brain learning is where we should strive for as an education system but they only strive to, to create left-brain thinkers because left-brain thinkers, it makes sense. They help the economy. Um, but at the same time, if you have a society full of left-brain people, where's the empathy? Where's the creativity? Where's the inspiration? Where is the innovation? People like Elon Musk, he doesn't even believe in college for this very reason. He's training his own. And I say training because training can be done in a good way. He is um, helping students code they don't need to have a degree to work for him. Um, I don't know anything else about like what else he's into, but uh, from an education standpoint, Elon is very progressive. Yeah, there are fortunately a lot of people that are starting to set up more progressive models. But I don't particularly want to go super into this, but I, I guess while you're thinking on that, I will say that uh, talking about art degrees and talking about how unimportant they seem to be in colleges. Art may be unimportant in the education system, but it surrounds us. That's what I was going to say. Okay, Okay. thank you. Yeah. It (laughs) surrounds us in our daily life. Yeah. Everything you look at, everything you see, everything you do is like, like the building you're living in right now is designed by someone. I mean, literally everything is designed to look nice or 
function nicely. It's all creative. I mean, you can't live without creatives. Yeah. And people have been saying recently, as people are becoming more aware of this type of stuff, people have been saying like, go a, go a week, go a day without music or television or living in a building that was designed in a specific way without reading a book, without reading a blog article, without going on social media, because those are designed by people. Do anything that is not designed by someone. I mean, essentially you could sit in a grassy field and that's for the whole day. Yeah. And that's creative place. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you can't get away from it and that's, but yet it's not important specifically in this country. It's not considered as something important because it doesn't make as much money. Most of most creatives are freelancers. So we make our own cash. It doesn't go back into the system necessarily. Well, if you take away the freelance market for creatives, your whole economy will fall apart. Exactly. Yeah, that was that was nearly proven. It's like it's like a yeah. weird irony there yeah. that we deal with. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's I just want to add to that. Um, there is this age-old debate that schools kill creativity. Um, and I think there is an assault, a universal assault on creativity based off of certain governments around the planet that use education to create the new world. But I feel like um, creativity is something that these young people really need. Like they need to be creative. If Albert Einstein was not creative, we wouldn't have the advancements in modern society that we have. If we didn't have all these minds that rebelled and that went against the grain when they told them gravity doesn't do this, it does that. We wouldn't have that. So me personally, I feel like, school does dilute the human potential because it's it's not creative. It teaches us to be one way. If we allowed students, if we educated them left brain, right brain, into whole brain creative beings, I feel like planet Earth would be an oasis. We would be so far advanced in technology and yeah. everything if the school systems were redesigned. All of society would be redesigned. Um, the things that we that hurt us, like racism, um, classism, sexism, any other ism that divides people on this planet, it's all taught in school. Like the school is the the um, programming field for a human, like within this society. And that's why I said it's the greatest conspiracy of all time because they don't even know that your mind is being molded. And that's why you have these individuals in society who don't know who they are and who don't know how to be creative and who feel depressed and they don't know how to let go. They just hate their cubicle jobs. Well, it's because you killed your creativity due to your education. Yeah, and just to kind of like finish that off a little bit, uh, when you look at a lot of history and a lot of some of the biggest uh, like progression we made in science, you get that from artists. Uh, One of my personal favorites is Leonardo da Vinci, uh, who one of the greatest scientific minds ever on top of being one of the greatest artists ever. Um, And he focused heavily in both aspects. He was never in one camp or the other. He used both simultaneously, whether he drew something and didn't build it or whether he built something and he didn't necessarily have a reason for it to be art. He always tried to combine the two. There's also the biggest fact, uh, which is when you look at some of the biggest money-making industries in the world, they are art-based. The entertainment industry specifically is completely art-based. Without it, you have a very lackluster economy. So that that is kind of one of the big points. I mean, I think we all definitely understand. Terrible irony. That one. <laughs> yeah, but going back into college specifically, there is, at least for me, one of the most important ones that I've seen over the past couple of years, uh, and this one is just kind of in your face. It's been in the news uh, recently. It's been in the news for a while, kind of just periodically. 
uh, is the college admission scandal, otherwise known as Operation Varsity Blues, uh, based off of the film title of the same name. But uh, yeah, the admission scandal is troubling. Lit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> For real, because the if you thought what we just talked about was a conspiracy, this is something else. Yeah, this is almost like a conspiracy filled with conspiracies. That's <laughs> that's what this is. Yeah. Because with that specific, with the college admission scandal, um, I followed it pretty closely because I, I was just kind of like, at first I was outraged and I was like, what? All this time that I wanted to, I got rejected to go to Harvard, so I had to go to CSU. Um, but all this time that I've been rejected to get into schools, I graduated with a 4.0. Um, but so many other young people have as well. So we get that it's competition out there. But when when they're telling you to work so hard and you literally kill yourself just to get in and you realize that it's all a game to begin with, you start to question the very foundations of like education and what it really stands for within society. <laughs> It stands for money. It does. It, because that is exactly what this scandal is, is that colleges have been like just blatantly taking bribes. Like yeah. parents have been paying off colleges to get their kids into like Ivy League schools, yep. which is usually where it takes place the most is places like Harvard and Yale and Stanford so on and so forth yeah and like will uh and like if you don't agree with like some of what we're saying people listening like I, i'm sure some people out there that don't you're always gonna have like a different opinion we'll get into some more of that later well yeah that's the whole point of a conspiracy uh but the admission scandal i'm saying that now because the admission scandal is one that regardless of what camp you're in you cannot get away from the fact that it's very real uh the admission scandal is not a conspiracy that's why i'm not calling it a conspiracy it's a scandal I see it's, your point. Yeah, that, that's my point. Uh, it, it's very, very important. Um, and I just, real quick, I'm just going to list these off just because there's so many. Uh, but I just want to mention some of the schools that have been involved. Uh, we Call have Yale, we have Georgetown, Stanford, UCLA, Wake Forest University, University of Texas, University of San Diego, and the University of Southern California. These are all schools, very important schools, some of them huge schools, uh, who have all been indicted in the admission scandal. Um, and there's a myriad of reasons why each one was indicted. Uh, and you also have celebrities like Lori Laughlin from Full House uh, being indicted as well in the case. Uh, I mean, it's huge in the fact that people had been saying for years that it was real and there was a conspiracy then, and it's one of those conspiracies that got proven. Uh, and now it's a huge court case. So yep. it's, it's a big problem and again the basis of it is people rich people are paying for their students to be or paying for their kids to be able to go to these schools to have high-ranking degrees and even paying to be able to have them passing classes which is very very important uh, it doesn't really matter what they're doing what their GPA is they're going to pass the class and it's a huge problem it's yeah. a huge scandal it just shows that college just wants your money so yeah. the more you can pay the more likely you are to get in yeah. yeah, the system, that system is rigged because either way, it's not a measure of your intelligence or your moral character, what gets you that degree. It's a measure of your salary. Uh, yeah, that one is, I, I hate to say fun for me in this conspiracy, but it's fun for me in the fact that anyone who says anything about being a hoax with anything involving this conspiracy, it proves a point. 
it's real. Yeah, it's real. It's, it's, a, it's a good argument. And I mean, there's not a lot more to say about it right now. The cases are still going. People are being sent to jail or prison, depending on how rich they are and what they can get out of. But it's... It all goes back to the money. It all goes back to the money. Uh, and that's another conspiracy in itself. But it, the I think... One of the last things we have on here, unless you guys have other things, uh, one of them, or one of the last things with generic colleges is uh, sports that we have on the list here. Yeah, it, it kind of wheels into that. Colleges pay out the ass to have good coaches and good teams associated with them. And like, sure, exercise is good and playing sports is good as a pastime, but like, what the fuck does that have to do with education? Like, it doesn't. There's no reason for a college to be paying like millions of dollars usually to have like a coach. Like, you could be spending that $6 million on better programs and better equipment and whatever for your school. Yeah. Right. It, to me, it goes back to the whole like college. It's like when you go off to college and you go into this other realm where you're away from your parents and you're away from society and you're finally an adult, um, they use that campus. It's like a mini society. So the college campus is a microcosm for like the macrocosm of society. So mm. they program us. I remember they invested so much into our sports system at CSU. They, it was hundreds of people would just flock to these games. And I get that um, sports are a big part of our society, but what are you teaching the youth? Are you teaching them to put value in their their mind or value in social status, the worship of athletes, the worship of celebrities, uh, the, creating these like cliques and groups within college where you can't escape that later um, mimic corporation, corporate, corporate workplaces. So it's just really interesting when you break it all down. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I've seen personal stories from this one too. Uh, being that one of them being uh, my mom went to Ole Miss, which is just kind of a factory for sports players. Uh, the Mannings specifically, everyone knows the Mannings from the NFL. Uh, yeah, the the Mannings are a huge piece of that school. And because of that, it just it pushes out football players. But what happens there is the students that are not in sports, they have to wait to sign up for classes that the athletes get to sign up for first because they need the athletes to choose the easiest classes so that they don't have to focus on doing schoolwork. They can focus on doing sports. And that is, yeah. that's a story I grew up hearing because my mom loves to tell yeah. it, but it's a very scary story. I have an opposite story for this. Um, in, in my high school, it was, it was public school and also the IB program, right? So there were the IB kids. Um, and IB kids were discouraged from playing sports because we didn't have time to focus on the sports. And so we were actually, there was a class I was in where we were actually made fun of once by the teacher because all we're doing is studying and reading books and stuff and don't ever have time to do things like play football. Isn't that what we should be doing? Exactly, right? I was like, excuse me? Also, I did sports and at the IB program and did music, so thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I can, but so it, it goes both ways too. They discourage smart kids from playing sports. They don't want you wasting time doing your schoolwork and trying yeah. to learn. <laughs> it's just so, another example too of like a lacking balance. Yeah, sports are valued and money yeah. is valued, and education is not. Hence, why um, I was just reading Betsy DeVos is mm -hmm. now for twenty twenty one. She will be cutting five point 
six billion dollars from education. So they did the first cut, I believe, in 2016 with Betsy DeVos, uh, where they cut nine trillion or nine billion. Now an additional 5.6 million cut is billion cut is coming. So where do you think that money is going to be cut from? Programs that are of the arts, programs that are more right brained. And sports programs will still be standing strong, which there's, I'm not saying that, like you said, it's, it's a sacred balance. You can't create these lopsided humans by a lopsided education. We have to instill in them a balanced soul, yeah. like not just worship athletes, worship celebrities. Yeah. You'd have a more thriving community if you had the balance, if you had the understanding of uh, education versus sports versus, you know, being athletic, those type of things, you, you would have a better balance. You don't. Yeah. People but who, arts are always cut first. Arts are always cut first. Always. Sports are usually cut last. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's oftentimes arts and sciences too, though. As if sciences isn't one of the most important things. Science is a weird one. It yeah. is. I feel like nobody can ever decide if we want science or not. I think it's because it has to do <laughs> slightly with art. And I think it falls into that. It falls oftentimes into arts and humanities and things like that. And that's unfortunate for science. because but Technology has taken the place of science now yeah. um, in schools. They, they go towards tech a lot, which I get it. We're in the age of information, but like you said, let's create a balanced system. All right. Well, speaking of broken systems, uh, Taylor, this is your shit. <laughs> if you want to talk about this wackadoodle thing of Evergreen State College. Yeah. Can, oh. I, can I say real quick, real yeah. quick, I just want to say leading into this, this one's kind of a side one for this one. Because it's about colleges, but it's a different thing about colleges. It's taking uh, being controlled by the system to another level. <laughs> yeah, so welcome to the episode of Conspiracy Within a Conspiracy Within a Conspiracy. Within a Conspiracy. Within a Conspiracy. All right, there you go. <laughs> now we begin. So, welcome to the Conspiracy Within the Conspiracy. So, if you thought that the education system was already kind of questionable, um, at Evergreen State College in Olympia, Washington, there are claims of MKUltra. Um, MKUltra is, if anyone's familiar with it, um, it's it's kind of touched upon in a lot of sci-fi films, but MKUltra is a CIA-based program um, that was founded in the 1970s and before in order to modify behavior. It's the study of behavioral modification. So this is what my book touches on, um, the mind control aspect of school. So essentially, at Evergreen State College, there's little information that's out there to support it. You really have to dig in the internet, but there are claims that students do not remember up to two years of their undergraduate studies. There are claims that um, students are being programmed to, uh, basically when they're on campus, they are kind of targeted by certain organizations that may be outside soliciting information to students. Um, and they go into these organizations and they may experience MKUltra, which is essentially hypnosis, um, where you can use certain very high-level technical behavioral things, such as touch, since um, sometimes... What they use was psychedelics yeah. in, the, in the original... On contact, psychedelics, yeah. yeah. The word, girl psychedelics, anything. So that's what Evergreen is, is doing. Um, the entire state of Olympia, or Olympia, Washington, they believe MKUltra is very prominent there and that there are specific programs, mind control programs that are running on the campus already. That one's, that one's a little uh, out there. Yeah, that one is, that one is one of those. Like, it's also really hard to find anything on that. Mm -hmm. uh, 
it is you could you could push that both ways yeah and there's a lot of things that start going into it like uh different things like new world order and illuminati things that often get thrown into conspiracies when they can uh if you can throw it in there you usually will there's this this part where taylor you said that the the school was founded by daniel j evan um oh. who uh, was the governor of Washington and the founder of the Trilateral Commission. Correct. The Trilateral Commission is speculated to have a lot of conspiracy stuff behind it. Um, so making those that connection between him and the school is already pretty sketch. But uh, d- do you know what the Trilateral Commission is? Because I forgot to write that down. <laughs> That's okay. I have been researching more about it, but the Trilateral Commission is a is a group that is involved in a lot of like banking, um, big business banking things. It's like a nest of people that are, co- some people would say they're connected to the New World Order. Um, these are the families who rule the world. This is where the money goes. But again, this is, we're into the realms of conspiracy pretty deep. So it kind of goes back to what you believe. Um, Do you believe there is an overarching system within education that is controlling things? Or um, do you believe that the system is just? But yeah, the Trilateral Commission as well as the, so Daniel J. Evans founding the school as well as being a part of the Trilateral Commission, there's a lot of um, texts and information that like certain teachers, there's a professor at Evergreen who was looking at a text about how school is an experiment um and and there are countless like it's i'm getting shaken up i'm sorry but there are countless <laughs> there are countless um like what is the word there are countless acts of random cons- conspiracy things really spooky things happening at evergreen that can't be proven because the weird thing about mk ultra is once a lot of people who've experienced it are saying once you're targeted by MK Ultra for whatever reason, um, it's really hard to prove it. And um, there can be, it can drive people crazy. So where if they do start to talk about like, hey, I'm being targeted, they are not believed. This right? sounds like, Cam, you've talked about this before, like when, when they do something really weird to you so that nobody will believe you when you tell it. Uh, What's that called? Yeah, that's called, um, oh shit. You've talked about it on some, some one of our other episodes, but I forgot what it was called. Oh, but it's like, for example, if somebody walks up in like a bear costume with a bouquet of flowers in their hand and gives you LSD and kidnaps you, if you tell that to the police, who the fuck is going to believe you? I was kidnapped by a bear and he was holding flowers and it was on the middle of the road and like he dosed me with LSD and kidnapped me and did mind control to me. That just makes you sound like a fucking nutcase. Absolutely. It's called gang stalking. Gang stalking. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Gang stalking is scary. Uh, it's been kind of sort of proven just by the amount of cases that it's that have happened. Uh, it happens a lot with cults specifically. It happens with cults and it happens with people who have something to lose. That's usually when it happens. Uh, but yeah, it's a way to drive someone to psychosis, sometimes actually drive them to suicide. Uh, and it's, it's pretty, it, it's been used pretty consistently throughout the last like 40 years. Uh, you do see it with, we won't go into them specifically, but Scientology, you've seen a lot of cases with it. And cults where people tend to leave when you're not supposed to. Uh, you see people being pushed through gang stalking. Yeah. Yeah, that's a scary one. Thanks for <laughs> reminding me that that was a thing. Uh, always scary. Anything more on, on uh, Evergreen? Uh, so nothing here on Evergreen. It's something that I feel like people should take a look at with their own interpretation and research. 
Um, but there's something there. It just, it's really hard to prove it. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Uh, I think that's pretty much what we've got. Yeah. So that is the, that is the conspiracy itself. And, you know, usually we go into debunking and we're going to go into, to, into debunking here. Uh, I know it'll work a little bit differently just because I do know we're all very much about this conspiracy as well. It yeah, seems. that's uh, the only one where we're like, fuck the system, wake <laughs> up sheeple. <laughs> However, I will say just like every other conspiracy, there are always things you can look at um, where, again, you can be skeptical. You can be stitches. Yeah, so, that's fair. Uh, where do you want to start, Carmen? Um, I want to start specifically with talking about uh, Future Shock and the factory model of the Prussian system, um, which a lot of what the conspiracy theorists out there claim when they're talking about how we're being modeled after robots, like we're try they're trying to control us, a lot of what they end up claiming is that that was the only system brought in at the time. Specifically, Future Shock's author, he focuses on the fact that the Prussian system was brought in and nobody else used it. Or, or nobody else used anything other than that. However, that's just incorrect. There are multiple types of schooling. Um, there have been since that system was brought in, before that system was brought in. Doesn't mean they always worked, doesn't mean they were always better, but they also were not the, the Prussian system was not the only thing there. Uh, there were a lot of people doing a lot of different types of schooling, including schooling that involved students teaching students, like higher level students. Um, especially education at the time, we're talking about 1800s, education at the time was not, necessarily considered the most important thing. Uh, it was just kind of teaching them basic skills. Uh, yeah, that's, that's where summer break came from because you you didn't go to school during summer because you had to help the farm, yeah. you know? You yeah. had to be home. Help with the crops. With the family, so. Right. And we have the same thing now. Uh, a lot of those same conspiracy theorists claim that we only still have that one type of learning and it's just kind of slightly evolved. That's also not true. Um, I know that personally just because I was bounced around to different types of schooling uh, throughout my childhood, uh, including I went to community college, then I went to kind of like a specialized school in college. I went to a charter school at one point when I was younger. I did online schooling. I did college while I was in high school. So like I've been a part of like a lot of different types of educational systems and they all are different in a lot of ways. Um, it doesn't mean that the standardized way is not the most prevalent because it absolutely is. Uh, and the regular high school that we talked about is the most prevalent. Still. Also, I hate charter school, though. Charter school is uh, I feel like charter bullshit. school is even more standard, standardized than public school. Yeah. It, they, charter school is scary. I, I went to a charter school for, like, literally a quarter of eighth grade, and <laughs> it was like living in a factory. I mean, teachers would line the hallways, like, we had to wear uniforms, and if anything was out of place, they'd shout at you, like, your belt isn't black, your shirt's not tucked in all the way, your hair isn't tied back, and like, it was creepy. And in class, if you didn't do your homework, they made you sit in the back. Yeah. So you just couldn't learn anything. At charter school was a disaster. It's, I got out of that shit. It's very <laughs> political. Uh, yeah. I, I, like I said earlier, my mom was a teacher. She taught at the charter school I went to for about a year and a half, and I, not only was my mom a teacher, my friend's mom was a teacher there, and my other friend's parents founded the school. So if you were in that type of situation, you could get away with pretty much anything you wanted to. Yeah, you're a privileged little shit. Yeah, wow. we were privileged. We were very <laughs> privileged. I mean, we were privileged because <laughs> our parents, specifically my friend's parents who ran the school or who founded the school, I mean, you didn't do anything to those kids. Um, I mean, that was the big thing is like, 
you protected those students specifically, but seeing that type of political bias, I mean, that was like a terrible thing at the school. It's what caused my mom to leave the school. It's what caused her to take me out of the school uh, because it was really bad. It, it's just charter schools are one of those that also build an unfair system. It's just a different type of unfair system. I feel like they're just a heightened terribleness. Of yeah. This what, whole I, conspiracy. what I did want to bring up in terms of myself uh is that there are certain types of education out there that are very good though, and they can be very helpful. For me, it ended up being online schooling just because it took me kind of out of that system. Yeah, it, it's a very, are you, did you also do online school? Yes, um, I, when I started the two years at CSU, that was like within the system, all classes around other people. But when I dropped out and started at a new university and I was realizing what they were doing, I decided online school was the way for me. And it, I did. I excelled. I went from my grades being really normal, like C average, to being straight A's because I did not have to, um, like, basically, I felt like my learning was in my control. Yeah. And and whether you go from, whether you're talking about uh, college or high school, the, the, the kind of interesting thing about online school is it challenges conventions by making it not about the student body, but about the student themselves. And, and that's that's the part I really, really like about it is it makes it about the person individually. On top of being able to focus on education, I was doing the same amount of work as other people in the same classes, but I was doing it over the course of six hours and two days rather than eight hours a day for five days a week. It was a huge difference. And I just, this is one of those things where I just want to make sure that we point out that there are other forms. However, the main controlled form is still out there. So it's, a, like I said, a weird debunking because I feel like it slightly debunks some of it, but at the same time, it doesn't take away anything else that's going on. And that's that's the important thing. So like weird. There's merch. other options, but they're not as easy to find. And I just wanted to bring it up because there are people, the conspiracy theorists, like the hard, hardcore ones with this that choose not to look at anything else. Not, not like you, Taylor, not like you, but like there are ones out there who refuse to look at anything else. And that's always a problem. We always say that with every conspiracy. You've got to look at all angles of it, which is very important. Yeah. It's all about the whole brain. We, we, as people, we look different. We are all diverse and none of us think the same. None of us come from the same environment. We are all beautiful and created in our own image. We cannot be like morphed into droids. So to touch on what you said, the debunking, because I, I believe in balancing out that conspiracy like you're talking about, um, people believe that the whole Prussian education system was created um, in order to help offer education for everyone. So that's what they would say is a positive of it before education was more privatized for like uh, the wealthy. But um, when they introduced this factory model, everyone became programmed essentially. But then you kind of got to go back and say, yeah, it gave us all access to higher knowledge to, to really optimize ourselves as a human being. But the curriculum that you are giving is not designed to free my mind. It, yeah, exactly. It's stuck in that industrial era revolution time. It's, it's, it hasn't updated. And I think what you're talking about, Kim, online school, it can um, go a little bit overboard if, if they do create like a program that mind controls everybody if we do go online but they can use um, online to open up education because we still have the social hierarchies within education across the planet um, certain schools that are not in America or in um, the first world per se they're not just the students are not even learning the best education that they can learn so 
opening up to like online, starting out to get away from that outdated model would really help everyone worldwide access knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And like, just to like finish with that too, uh, I will say that just because I've seen it work so well, doesn't mean it also, I also have not seen it work terribly. I do, I do know people that did online school, didn't work for them. Uh, it is one of those things we have to focus, like you said, <laughs> more on- I fucking hate online school. You have to focus more on uh, <laughs> the person, but like you said, if you start in putting in too much of a curriculum, if you start kind of stifling that learning process, again, you just get the same thing, it's just from a distance. Yeah. Yeah, it I didn't work like for me, but like it, it, I can see why it's better. <laughs> One thing that's funny here uh, for our podcast specifically is you, I think, Allie, you put this in the Waldorf schools. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We talked about the Waldorf school, if you remember, in the Gnomes episode. In the Gnomes <laughs> episode, the Waldorf school. Uh, Cam was about it. <laughs> you put in our notes, I just want to mention this to the people listening, you put in our notes, uh, they stray from the factory model. They stray from every model. Uh, the Waldorf School, for those who didn't listen to the Gnomes thing or who may not remember it, uh, they are focused heavily on mystical beliefs as well as uh, normal educational well, beliefs. Well, I, I put that in the, in the notes, actually, because their system is set up to where um, the kids start in the school with one teacher and they go through the school with the teacher. So you don't switch teachers every year. You have the same person that follows you with your education. Yeah, and some people, that's also a charter school model. Some people like that model, some people don't. Um, but one Well, it is I, a charter school, but it's a weird charter yeah, school. Yeah, <laughs> one thing I will say about the Waldorf school that's really fun uh, is we still need to do a full episode about them. I would like to get into a water, Waldorf school just to see what it looks like. I imagine it looks like everything else, but uh, supposedly with fairies and gnomes running around. And that's the weird part about the Waldorf school. Not to mention, we think we brought it up in the we Gnomes episode. We don't say episode. that sarcastically either. That's no, it's say. not it's sarcastic. Not. That's uh, why we put it in the Gnomes episode. Yeah. Uh, there's also the rumor that at one point, one of the schools in another country, one of the Waldorf schools, uh, was being run by a student because he was he had the ineptability to just see fairies. And he just kind of moved up the ranks because of it. And that one, I don't know if that one actually happened. I know we mentioned it in Gnomes. Uh, go back and listen to Gnomes for more on that. It's a fun. I want to say... Just that I won't bash what you can learn in college because I know some people take that take they that's their main takeaway from this is like when people are looking at this conspiracy we're like don't go to college because you won't learn anything that's not true I've learned a ton in college I have always said that maybe if I had the money I would probably just take a couple of classes every semester just because it's fun um, you learn a lot there's a lot of knowledge to be had from the teachers specifically actually my community college experience was amazing but we're not we're not saying you don't learn things we're just saying the system for getting there is totally wrong and yeah. i just want to bring that up at least from my perspective it ain't worth it yeah it's it's too expensive and all you're doing is fueling the conspiracy yeah. <laughs> to add to that absolutely like i feel like college itself is a double-edged sword um because like you said you come from a family that has um they are teachers they are beautiful, strong, intelligent women who saw the flaws in that system and really wanted to change your fate. But I feel like it's a double-edged sword. I feel like um, it's almost like, I don't know what we have to do as a country to fix it, but if we don't fix it, we're gonna keep creating the same society over and over and over. We're never going to progress. So I just yeah. feel like knowledge is power. And we should find a way to, to, to set these children, these young people up 
for success and not failure. Yeah. That's totally fair. And a big question comes is like you do learn a lot in college, you get the degree, whatever, but the big question comes in and a lot of people have been asking it lately is, is it worth the money? And I think that's kind of where we're here. We're talking about it's not worth what they're talking about. It's not worth being in debt for the rest of your life. It's not Absolutely. being a slave to the government. No, it's really not. Or your um, loan company, which yeah. is what's happening right yeah it's it's absolutely not worth that it's one degree it's four years of your life that you learned something that honestly there's a lot of free schooling on the internet that you if you put the time and effort into it you could you could learn by yourself yeah and then and then the problem there becomes though you have to find an employer that cares that you manage to do that yeah correct as a writer um clearly they, they couldn't really teach me how to write because it's a gift that's inside of me. They could only refine my gift. And I learned that when I dropped out in 2013 to write my novel. Um, after I self-taught myself, read, researched, really learned the art of writing in my own way, I still couldn't get hired at um, magazine corporations because I didn't have an English degree. And I was like, but listen, here's my portfolio. I'm online and I work on Upwork. I have ghostwritten. I have made over... $30,000 like within a two year span of writing part time. Can you please just hire me? I, I begged in an interview, hire me. I, I will show you. I told her I'd work for free. She still would not hire me due to the degree. Yeah. And anyway. like, and like you said, Taylor, like one thing, like you said that you, you know, you went outside of school to learn writing and things like that. For me, it's kind of like, it's almost an opposite thing, but I do understand what you're saying. Cause for me, I went to a school that specialized in it's supposed to teach me that. But the reality was I only actually took like two classes there that actually taught me really what I needed to know. And that became a problem as well as it wasn't about the school that taught me anything. It, I ended up paying for the experience from the specific two people that helped me write. And that is another like example of why college is kind of weird because it wasn't the college itself that taught me what I need to know. It was the individual person, which it was more yeah. important. Especially with art degrees, you go to college for the connections more than anything. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I don't, I usually we are going to ask, I mean, do you believe in this conspiracy? I think yes. I, yeah, (laughs) I think that's a yes from all of us. What about the the Evergreen thing? You wrote an awful lot of stuff about Evergreen, Cam. I will say for me personally, I can't find enough stuff on the Evergreen to believe in it. Uh, I know I believe wholeheartedly in MK Ultra. It's one of my favorite conspiracies. Eventually, we're going to do an episode on it on this podcast. I know a for sure. Parter. <laughs> or a, a several parter. It'll be fun. It's but, a long, long mess. <laughs> yeah, but for Evergreen specifically, for me, couldn't find anything that was worth it. So I guess that's my yeah. Well, like my only beef with that one and trying to research it is it's one bitch on the internet. If you actually trace everything, like all this evidence back. It's one girl who has posted like five videos about this and then copy and pasted the same blog on like three different conspiracy sites. And yeah. like, I mean, it's, it's a conspiracy, but like, yeah. you got to have more than one person that agrees with her. Agreed. I found that um, conspiracy kind of like as I've been tracking and tracing education for the past like seven years. And um, I was like, I can't prove it. I stalked those videos. I tried to find information. And then I was like, this is something that's sci-fi. So it is the premise of my novel alike, um, somewhat, with my own spin. But it is about MK Ultra. It is about smart schools. It is about the future. It is about the internet becoming 
our professors. Um, it is about mind control. And if you do not um, comply, they will make you assimilate. So the, the reason Evergreen is so, it's like, it's like, I can't prove it, but I feel it in my soul. But you can't, yeah. you know, you can't go off of just the vibe, but <sighs> there's something there. I, I think that's the fun of conspiracies. It's why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place. Yeah. I think everyone's got everyone has a conspiracy <laughs> and I, and everyone has something that they're just pulled to whether they can prove it or not. And I think that's the most fun part about conspiracy. Mind control schools. MK <laughs> might be the next stage y'all in education. You better get ready on your LSD tolerance because <laughs> you're going to be hopped up on Did it. Did I cut the line in the other episode where I said they dunked a puppy in a vat of acid? <laughs> I, don't I don't remember if I cut that or not. Oh my <laughs> God. It was supposed to be LSD. Cam was talking about MK Ultra again. <laughs> and he. It was the moon landing one, part two, I think. Yeah. No, no, no. Was it not? No, it was one with Katie. Was it? Yeah, because we were laughing about dunking puppies. I thought it was MK. I like, it was it, during MK Ultra, right? They they experimented on LSD on puppies too, and Cam just goes and they dumped a puppy in a vat of acid, which sounds terrible, but he meant LSD. <laughs> but it's still terrible. I still see well, that. It sounds like you dumped a puppy in, in a vat of corrosive acid. I don't remember if I actually ended up cutting it or not because I do just go. They dumped a puppy in a vat of acid. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but I, I might have cut it. But yeah. Uh, what I've learned from this podcast today is concrete evidence is what gets that information out there. So yeah. I want to tie what you said, MK Ultra, to do more research on Evergreen because I have to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. The problem, the problem that we we had with that one is you, it all ties back to the same girl that made the videos. Lady Diane. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm <coming. laughs> Uh, but yeah. Well, I think that's. I think that is what we have for college conspiracy, though, right? Yeah. I mean, we could talk for hours. We could. We I could go on. That's, that's what on we needed to say about on. college conspiracy. <laughs> I... <laughs> this is notes from 2013. This is notes from 2013, up till now. And this message has to get out there, you guys. Like, our generation, they need to wipe the debt. And that's what my book is about. Either someone must hack it, or they must wipe it, because it is not just what has been done. Yeah. That's fair. That is fair. Good outro. And yeah, and again, <laughs> for people out there who don't necessarily believe in this conspiracy, just remember there are pieces of it you have to believe in, like the admissions scheme, regardless if you want to or not. So that is kind of a fun thing with this one. Uh, but let us know what your experience has been. If you've experienced the college conspiracy, most people have at some point. IB they kids represent it at least or people haven't been able to experience it because of the college conspiracy itself uh, send me your best IB kid memes because I miss them <laughs> do that for her I yeah. guess uh, <laughs> uh, you can find us on social media uh, at, at conspiracy what on Twitter Facebook um, send us your reviews tell us what you think tell us if we're wrong as always Tell and us if you thank think you, we Taylor, are. for being here. Yeah, thank you. That was a lot of fun. Especially with all the, your your research and knowledge over the, God, what is that, seven years? Really yeah. crazy. Bullshit. <laughs> I have a detective's crazy wall on the education system. <laughs> it's it's warranted. Yeah. I believe in you. Yeah. Fight the good fight. Thanks for I, listening. I believe in you guys too, and um, keep it up, Cam and Alex. Keep it up. Thank you. Yeah. 
All right, well, everyone, remember to stay stitches as always, and thank you for listening. Okay, bye. Thanks for your second.